Why? Because the sin and the curse of death has been defeated by the Lord. And we sit in a perpetual place of God's grace and mercy and love. Why? Because we have given our lives. We have been, He has revealed His life to us and therefore we have responded in faith. And so when we come to these texts and they sound difficult and hard, let me share this with you. They are if we attempt to do them in our flesh. If we attempt to live these out in our flesh, we will never, ever be able to accomplish what God has called us to be and do. This is why he says in Ephesians chapter 4, to put on the new self, put off the old self. Basically clothe yourself in a garment. And he starts the fifth chapter with a statement. And it's literally this. Be imitators. Be imitators. I have a daughter who I took to university yesterday. And I have loved that kid since the moment she was born. Can I get an amen about your children? She came out of the womb and with quite a bit of difficulty. And she had... Marconium in her lungs, and they brought in a specialist to clear out her lungs, and she was screaming and screaming and screaming and crying. And um, I went over to her as Courtney was being taken care of by the doctors. I went over to her and I said, Emily, Daddy loves his baby. And she went from screaming to cooing. You ever have those moments? And When she went away to university yesterday, she didn't really give me much, but she gave me the most important thing she could have given me. She handed it to me and she said, Dad, this is my gift to you. Thank you for everything you've done. And she handed me a picture of her as a baby. And I cried because this is how God loves us. He loves us unconditionally, through thick and thin, through it all. And when we do well to understand how God loves us, we understand that we are just his children. And he's called his children into something beautiful. Be imitators of me. Ephesians 1, be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly beloved children, and walk in the way of love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. We could stop right there and exposit that verse forever. That verse could be mined forever. And we we would fully never understand how much God loves us. He's only demonstrated it to us in the sense that God died as a sacrifice for us so that we might live and walk in the way of love. Walking in the way of love is difficult, isn't it? How many of you are married? Walking in the way of love can be difficult. How many of you have children? Walking in the way of love can be difficult. How many of you have friends? You better all raise your hands. Walking in the way of love can be difficult. And yet God loved us so much that he, what, gave himself for us. 
I think Paul's very unique in the sense that he's, he's doing this to remind us that God is here and we are here. And we are sometimes called to be imitators of him and we'll never fully be able to do it. And yet he still calls us to be imitators of him, which is very difficult. Can I get an amen? And it would be difficult and it would be impossible if God had not given us his Holy Spirit. Because we would not have the capacity to understand the help, the leading, the guidance. We would not have the power, the dunamis that we need to accomplish this life. Have you ever asked the question, I don't know how people make it through without Jesus? Have you ever asked that question? I really don't understand it. Because he is our portion. He is our life. But he's called us to some things. And this is what he's called us to, and I think it's really important, because there are certain vices Paul uses vices and virtue lists. He said there are vices that will take you away from God and virtues that you need to practice. Now, there's no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus, right? Amen. But we still have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us in these moments. And this is how it happens. But, this is the, this is the vice list. Among you, there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality. This is written in a city that was given over to Diana, the goddess who had multiple boobs, and she was the goddess of fertility. And as you entered into the city of Ephesus, you would come into the temples and the courts. You had to go through them, and there would be temple prostitution. And it's these type of people that Paul has preached the gospel to that have come out of that life, and yet he's reminding them, hey, you need to remember these things. Put away a hint of sexual immorality, or any kind of impurity, or any greed, because these are improper for God's people. Wouldn't we agree that we have a sexual problem in the world right now? It's never changed. It's just kind of morphed and looks a little different. But we do have a problem. And we need to remember that because when we live out this life as a Christian and in faith, we have to ask ourselves, am I being conformed into the world or am I conforming into the image of Christ? Which means that there are going to be boundaries around the way that we live. Can I get an amen, please? We live, we live differently. How about this one? Not only do we live where we take sexual uh, impurity into, into consideration, but we also talk about the way that we speak. The mouth is really difficult, isn't it? How many of you have ever said something you wish you hadn't said before? How many of you did that this morning? How many of you did that on the way to church? When you were supposed to be walking holy and loving God with all your hearts, mind, soul, and strength? Nobody wants to talk about this stuff. It gets really low then, right? How many of you have ever fought on the way to church? Can we be honest? I mean, I, you know, yeah. How about this? Obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which is out of place. But, again, it comes, we should give thanksgiving. See, see the, the opposite of all the obscenity that comes out of our mouth is thankfulness. Why? Because thankfulness reveals a heart. 
If you, a thankful heart is good medicine. If you have a thankful heart, guess what? The people around you probably recognize that you're thankful. People who are ungrateful, well, it's evident to everybody. Have you ever spent Christmas with a relative you didn't want to spend Christmas with? Good job. Well done. Well done. Have you ever been with a relative or someone who's been in your office who, no matter what happens during the day, they always are negative? I, I worked in an environment like that once when I was in, in pharmaceuticals. This one person. I mean, you could come in on, on high during the day, right at the beginning, and by the end of the day, you'd be just like, I hate my life. Why? Because what we say matters. How we speak matters. And none of us are going to do it all right. Let me tell you something. That's true. But for this, you can be sure. Verse 5, no immoral, impure, or greedy person. He breaks them all down, such as a person as an idolater. And it's important we're talking about idolaters here. People who are outside of faith. We're not talking about our brothers and our sisters in this moment. We're talking about people who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are outside of faith. These are idolaters. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? We know that to be the case. Let them not deceive you. Let no one deceive you. With empty words, because of such thing, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, your goal is that you do not partake with them. That's the Greek word for partners, partaking. We don't partake in the fruitless works of darkness. We're supposed to be different. It's hard to be different. And there are moments in which we don't look any different than the world. That will be the truth. But as a whole, our lives should look different. If I were to tell you my testimony of when I was 18, you would be shocked. Maybe some of you wouldn't be, actually. But when God redeemed my life, He changed me. He put on, I put on a new self, and I began walking with Him. And slowly, over time, He began radically changing me. The things and affections that I had for, before the Lord actually went away. And the things that actually He wanted me to pursue, I kept pursuing and you know, it's only by His grace that He kept me on the path anyway. Because the world is always trying to take you off the path. It's a miracle that I'm standing before you today. It's a miracle that some of you are in this room. And we need to recognize that. For you were once in darkness. But now you are light of the Lord. Do you notice how He, he, he moves from darkness to light? Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. And, he, and he, what does he say? You are light. You are bearers of light. And I, I, verse 9 has always been interesting to me. Anytime you see parentheses in a text, and you can see it there, anytime you see those, it's a textual addition. It, somebody is making commentary on the text. We don't know when or who it was. We have no names. But we know this, that they wanted to reiterate for the fruit and light consists of what? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. It, that's what light people are like. When people bear the light, that's exactly what they're like. 
Now, doesn't mean we're going to always be like that, but it does mean that those are the aims and the goals and the pursuits of our life. I want to come back to a verse. Verse 10 is pretty much the parenthetical statement of the whole thing. If you were to, if you were to break it all down, you and I are on a journey. Uh, I started that journey when I became a Christian, and I was born again. And God came into my life, and I was changed. And I recognized that the things that I loved, the sins I loved, actually weren't going to cut it with God, and I needed to follow him. And out of that pursuit and journey, I began to find out what pleases the Lord. What pleases your heart? I read my Bible, and I learned what pleases his heart. I I hung out in fellowship in small groups with people, and they taught me what pleases God's heart. I, I went to seminary, and then on to divinity school, and then did a PhD, while all the time learning what pleases God's heart. Resisting darkness, seeking light. We're told to have nothing to do with those things. Rather, expose them. Convict. That's what the word is. Conviction. Conviction. Paul is saying something unique here. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. He's still talking about non-believers. He's not talking about believers. He's talking about non-believers. He's still talking about the disobedient, what they're doing in secret. And then he says, but everything exposed by light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I want to draw your attention really quickly to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 51. I I, I struggled a little bit, uh, and it, it was with this word it in verse 14. This is why it says, it said, it Usually when you look at it, you have to figure out, well, what, what, what was it? Ever ask that question? What is it? Well, what he's talking about is Paul. Paul must be using Isaiah 51, 52, 53, 54, 55. Because that portion of Scripture talks about the salvation of God. And here's what it says in various parts. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was but one, and I blessed him and made him many. The Lord will surely comfort Zion, and he will look with compassion on her ruins. He will make her like the deserts of Eden, her wastelands like the gardens of the Lord. And then he says, listen to me. Listen. Awake. Awake. Wake up. Clothe yourself with strength. Arm your, O oh, arm of the Lord. Awake in the days that have gone by of the generations of old. He then goes on to say this. Wake up. Do we have a church that's awake right now? Some churches are awake, aren't they? Other churches are not quite awake. 
But are you awake? Have you woken up to what God wants to do in the midst of your life? Because Paul is saying to the Ephesians church, wake up. You may have started really strong after two years of me being there with you uh, when we taught in the school of Tyrannus. You may have been strong when you had to go through the persecution when, when, when the riot broke out. But when I left, did you stay strong? If we base our faith on people alone, we will not stay strong. If we base our faith on Christ, then we will stay strong. I sat up here alone. That's the first time I've sat here alone. Do you notice that? And I was sitting there and I almost, I was like, oh, I wanted to cry. You know, Courtney's down with Ellie and Tiernan's away and Shanley's living in London. And, you know, I, I literally I sat in the house last night by myself when I got in late and it was completely quiet. It's the first time in 25 years. I sat there just quiet. I was like, oh. And I sat there alone and I thought, what a, what a picture. But then God reminded me, Nathan, you of all people should know you are never alone. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven resides in me. I have awakened. Rise up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of wrath. You have drained its dregs, the goblet that makes men stagger. Then he goes on to say this, Awake, 52, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on the garments of splendor. And then he points us, wake up, wake up, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Listen to Isaiah 52 at the end. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up, highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Illuminate. Light becomes visible. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying, hey, if we continue to seek God as believers, as light we will be the visible manifestation of God on the earth. And the kingdom of heaven, which is in heaven, will come on earth as it is there already. Why? Because you have been filled and you have been given God's spirit. That's it. How do I know that? Well, I'll keep going. Because later on in the chapter, it will say that. I love how Paul always puts these weird things right in the middle of his things. He's writing something, and then he says, I want you to, I want you to find wisdom. Be wise. There's people all around you who will drag you down. Be wise. Don't hang out with them. There will, there will be people in your life who are non-believers, and they will say things to you, and you will have to appraise whether or not what they said was truth or false. But the only way to know how to do that is have it, the Spirit indwelling in you, walking and knowing what the Word of God says. We're called as Christians to make every opportunity. Make, make every, every opportunity. Make the most of it. So when we offer you confident Christianity, why don't you get, 
get here, have tea a little early and get here. When we offer worship nights, what are you going to do? Sit and watch, you know, Match of the Day 2? You can watch that later. Come to worship night. When, when we offer small groups and connect groups, be involved. Why? Make every opportunity, because that would be what we would call in Christianity wisdom. It would also be understanding what the Lord, Lord's will is. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The Lord's will is that each of us would walk with Him and seek His presence. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and what? Anything else? What? Is there anything else we need to do? All right. It's good that nobody knows. Yeah, there's a few things we're not supposed to do. We're supposed to understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk on wine. He is not saying, and let me clarify this for teaching purposes, he's not saying don't drink wine. He'll tell Timothy later on, have some wine for your stomach. The Lord is known as the vineyard. God even likens himself to the fruit of the vine. Peri hagafen in Hebrew, you know, the fruit of the vine. What he's saying is this, don't get to a point that it leads you back to the sins that you once did when you were not saved. Debauchery, excessive indulgence, sex, alcohol, and drugs. Do you think that Dundee has an alcohol problem? Do you you think we have a drugs problem? We do. Why? Because debauchery has been put away as though it's no big deal. But in the eyes of God, it's a pretty big deal. And it's interesting because he says, hey, don't be filled with wine. You know, it leads to dissipation or, or the inability to know what is right and wrong. You can't be wise at, if you're drunk. Have you ever noticed somebody here or talked to somebody in the pub and they don't say anything that's normal? You're like, I don't go to the pub. I'm righteous. Amen. Instead, be filled. Be filled. Plereo. Fill up. Be filled. Be being filled. Be continued to be filled. Be filled with God's Spirit, with the Spirit. And And I love what the Spirit does. The Spirit leads us into worship. That's what the Spirit of God does, He leads us into worship. And so how does it look? Well, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. It's an interesting, if you did songs from the Spirit from from another realm, do you realize that every worship song comes from a different realm? It comes from heaven. When we sing to God and we sing songs of praise and worship and spiritual hymns, guess what? It's Bringing heaven to where? You know, I know that because Paul and Silas in the book of Acts were in the prison. And what were they doing? Singing. Spiritual songs. And what happens? We all know the story, right? What happens? There's an earthquake. God just, boom. And all of a sudden, things move. And all of a sudden, 
You've got prisoners going, what is going on? And Paul's there. And the, go, the man comes out. The, the guard is going to kill himself. And Paul goes, don't do it. We're here. And what, what happens to the, to the man through worship? What happens? Saved. Saved. Gen Z, which is my children's generation, well, uh, the, the latter ones, they're, they're getting more and more saved through worship is what they're getting saved through. They're being brought into the presence of God and then all of a sudden they're having encounters with God. Why? Because they're experiential, much more than we were. And they, they're, they're experiencing God. And, and so they want to be in those places and spaces in which worship is there. Why? Because as they sing to God, they get in relationship with God. They get closer to God. How many of you sing in the bathroom? Don't, you don't have to answer that one. I sing in the shower. There's my confession for the day. Don't ask if it's good or not. Why? Because I want to sing. I sing when I'm in the car. I sing when I walk down the street. I sing when I walk into the school. Did you know I sing out loud when I, I walk into the school? Why? Because I'm worshiping. Because I want to be a continual worshiper. Everywhere I go, I want to worship. And so I sing. Sing and make music from where? Not from the head. From the heart. 18 inches separates all of us from heaven. You can have all the knowledge in the world. I've been with some of the smartest men on the planet. You can have all the knowledge in the world. You can splice and dice and do anything you want to do. But if your heart is not put right before God, I've sat under people who don't believe, and yet they know more Greek, they know more Hebrew, they know more, and yet they're not going to be in heaven because they do not believe. How do we sing? We sing from the Spirit who gives us songs in our heart. He's been giving songs to hymnists since the beginning. The psalmists have always received from the presence of God. And as us, as worshipers, we need to be in the presence of God receiving the songs of God so that we can sing them over our families, over our children, over our community, over our neighborhood. Always give thanks to the Lord. Always. Even when you're going through difficulty, what do you do? Call a friend. Pray. How about just give thanks to God? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled. Give thanks. Takeaways. Imitate God. Be light. And find out what pleases the Lord. It means you're going to have to investigate what pleases the Lord. It means you're going to have to read your Bible. 
It means you're going to have to spend time in prayer. The older I get, the more I realize I really like prayer. I was busy for a lot of years. Now I'm really enjoying prayer. Maybe it's because I just don't have the energy that I once had. Can I get an amen? (laughs) But I really love being in the presence of God. And I love when he just sings over me. As it says in Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17, he sings over us. You know, he puts songs in our hearts to actually sing to him. When my baby, and I'll close out with this, uh, when I left yesterday, my baby grabbed me and she wouldn't, didn't really want to let go. And uh, I didn't really want to let her go either. I just had to drive back and it was terrible, you know. But I, she wanted me there. Is that your heart before the Lord? Is that the image that you get with a kid and a father? You're a son, you're his daughter. Do you just want to be with him? You know, he's our security. He's our portion, he's our God, he's our friend, he's our lover, he's everything. To do Christianity without him in this way it's painful. I don't know where you're at. And I, like I've said before, this is not condemning at all. This is that moment when we just open up our hearts and say, God, I'm here. I need you. I don't have anything else. I can't build my life on anything else. Why? Because it goes away. 25 years of building my life around my children, which was great and wonderful and awesome. Well, there's a new transition in my life. I have to build on something else now. And that will be my intimacy with him. You are the light of the world. You will never be hidden because God won't allow you to be hidden. He loves you. He knows every detail of your life cares about you intimately. Calls you son, calls you daughter, and he's a good father. If we leave this place and don't realize that, what will happen is we'll just go through another week of ticking boxes and just doing what we do. I believe God's calling us into something deeper. I believe he's calling this church into something deeper. And everything that we do is going to be deeper. Why? Because it's his heart for us. If you really want to see the people in your life transformed by God, invest in Jesus. Make your aim his life. I'll share one last story and I'll invite Simon to come back up um, for the final hymn. There's a gentleman, and this is where you come into play. Thanks. There's a gentleman who I've been meeting with, and um, he's not a Christian. 
but he keeps wanting to meet with me. You ever have those moments where he just, I want to meet with you, you know, I want to talk with you. He goes, I love philosophy. <laughs> I said, I do too, you know. And, and we sit down and we talk. And he said, I don't know what it is about you, but he said, I just love talking with you. And I'm like, I know exactly what it is. And so what I did is I just shared with him about not growing up in the church. And being the kind of person that could actually identify with some of the kids in the neighborhood. And how I was completely lost. A sinful person, man. Sinful man. And then God. He came into my life and he changed me. My heart was so transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit coming into my life and my obedience to his calling. And when we got done with the conversation, he, he said this, could you, um, you think you could come back and talk to me a bit more? And I'm like, of course I can. How does that link into everything we're doing? Everything that Paul calls us to you can't be an imitator of God if you are not intimate with God. And you may go, well, what does that look like? I don't know what that looks like for you. For me, it's been a lot more time on my knees. A lot more time just trying to hear what he has to say for you and for me and for our community and for, for this city, for this nation. That's what it's meant. I want to pray for us. And as we sing the hymn, I pray that it will come over you and sing over you and that when you engage in that hymn, you will know this, that we're, we're getting intimate with God, we're moving, we're seeing heaven come. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Father, for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your love. I thank you that you've called us to find out what pleases you. And Lord, each of us have failed to please you so many times, and yet you still beckon us to come back. You still want us around. Father, how much is that the truth of our lives before you? We just want to grab onto you and hold on to you. You are a good father. You're a good father. You're a good God. And you love us. And so, Father, I pray for each of us as we leave this place and as we kind of conclude this service that we get a bit more real with you. That's all you're asking. Just as our ch children, we want them to be real with us. You want us to be real with you. Thank you, Father. Amen.